The last few weeks have been difficult for us as a church family. We have lost some key leaders who are an inspiration to all of us. I believe somehow we are all affected in some way by this pandemic. There's no hiding it is truly a tough time for everyone. While the threat of COVID-19 is still present and we still face uncertainties ahead, we should be thankful that this pandemic will not last forever. For only God's love endures forever and that is good news for all of us. Despite the hardships and the challenges that we presently face, we can take comfort in the assurance that God's love will cover us, will strengthen us, and will comfort us. And I take this message to you, hoping to encourage you to endure, to persevere, and to remain faithful until the day that we meet our loving Savior face to face. As we gather again today on the Lord's Day, let us once again show our unity in spirit and prove that we can overcome difficulties and continue building on the progress that we have started prior to this pandemic. We will never lose hope because according to Psalm 147 verse 11, the Lord takes pleasure in those who trust in His unfailing love. We shall hold on to this promise and keep the faith that God will give the desires of our hearts and make our plans succeed. As we join Sister Pam in singing, Oh, I want to know you more. May we make this our own prayer to want to know God and to love Him more and more in the days ahead. That's what 
Marriott International, one of the largest hotel chains in the world, has nearly 6,000 hotels in 110 countries, with 174,000 employees worldwide in 2019. This was pre-pandemic. Airbnb, by contrast, only had about 5,000 employees in 2020. Yet, Airbnb has far more available rooms than Marriott. They have more than 4 million listings compared to the 200,000 rooms for Marriott. In fact, Airbnb has far more rooms available than all the top five international hotel chains combined. How were they able to do this? I believe it is because Airbnb has put the hotel industry back into the hands of the everyday person. Not everyone has ability or the resources to build a luxury hotel, but anyone with a smartphone can rent out a room they own. The church needs to learn this, especially during this pandemic, to put the church back into the hands of ordinary believers. Jesus Christ himself did that. He put the responsibility of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth on the hands of 12 ordinary believers. If they have waited to raise money or to build church buildings or to have a church organization first before they went out, the church would have never grown. Buildings and organizations can sometimes limit a church's growth. If God wants to move powerfully and save thousands, they won't fit in a church building. That is why this year, in light of the pandemic and the situation of our present church, we are going back to the disciple-making roots of the early church to empower each believer, to empower you to be the church wherever you are. Instead of coming together to a church building to do church, we are going out there and start churches. A church in your home, a church in your workplace, a church with your friends, a church with your relatives. And we are going to learn from history how to do this. One such example of a disciple-making church are the Waldensians. 
They are a group of Christians who lived in northern Italy, eastern France, and southern Germany during the Dark Ages around the 12th and 13th century AD. They did not have a church building. To avoid persecution from the Roman armies, they would meet in caves such as this in order to worship God week after week. They would raise their children with disciple-making in mind. They established training schools along the Alpine cliffs where they would teach their children and young people how to study the Word of God and how to be missionaries. Together, they would copy the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. After training, they would even commit large parts of the scriptures to memory. And after finishing this equipping, their young people would be sent out to the best universities throughout Europe, not for the sole purpose of obtaining education, whether they study to be a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher, their main purpose their main purpose of going there was not only to get a degree, but to be disciple makers. Wherever school they went, they took the word of God with them. Having committed large portions of scriptures to memory, they would share and disciple their schoolmates or friends whenever there is an opportunity. Not only the young people, others would go out as workers, as artisans, as traveling tradesmen or craftsmen, and they would travel to different parts of Europe to share the gospel. They could not bring the Bible with them because it was illegal to have a Bible back then. So they would take their coat and unstitch the seam of their coat. And just inside the two layers of their coat, they would put a few pages of the Bible. And as they traveled with those few pages of scriptures, whenever they find the opportunity to share, they would take them out of the stitches of their coat and share God's word. And as they buy or sell goods from door to door, and as they traded and did their livelihood, they would watch for the moving of the Holy Spirit on the hearts of their listeners. When they discerned spiritual interest, they would share God's word, either from memory or handing out those precious pages of hand-copied scriptures. Thus, the ultimate focus of the Waldensian way of life was to share God's word and to disciple others. Yes, they worked, they studied, and raised families, but in the midst of this, their focus was clear and unwavering to make disciples of all nations. They become the church wherever they are by making these disciples of whoever they come across. Can you imagine if we become a church like that? With this pandemic preventing us from meeting together in large groups, disciple-making is the only way to bring the church out there to wherever you are, whatever vocation you have in life. We have been driven out of our church buildings to be the disciple-making church that Jesus had envisioned, first with his disciples and then with the early church. And now we are coming back full circle. Another example of a disciple-making church in the Bible is the Ephesian church. 
The Apostle Paul stayed in Ephesus longer than in any other place that he ministered. His ministry in the Ephesian church was also considered one of his most effective anywhere. Do you want to know the key to his ministry success? Disciple making. Paul would disciple leaders in the Ephesian church who would in turn disciple and build up others. So in the process, Paul was able to raise up a new generation of disciple makers and the Ephesian church became a disciple making church. They did not have a church building like ours. They just met in members' houses and in synagogues. Paul would even train and disciple Ephesian believers every day in a public hall, in a public lecture hall called the School of Tyrannius. Those who were discipled in that lecture hall would in turn disciple others in the faith. Those discipled would go to other smaller communities to disciple others and establish new churches. Scholars believe that the Colossian church, as well as the churches of Smyrna, of Pergamum, of Sardis, Thyatira, Philadelphia, and Laodicea, are all actually church plans from the Ephesian church that were started during the time of Paul's ministry. This is a perfect example of a disciple-making church which in turn multiplies other disciple-making churches. That's the aim of New Millennium Evangelical Church in the coming years. That's how we see ourselves going forward. But let's get practical here. How do we do that? We have been talking a lot about disciple-making and discipleship. But where do we start? How do we begin? I know many of you are wondering why we are talking about discipleship when we ought to be talking about fear, about hope, about pain and suffering, comfort, and encouragement during this time of pandemic and as we face uncertainties for our future. Well, I believe that's what the enemy wants. He wants us to think about ourselves, to focus on our problems and our circumstances so that we forget the mission that we have been given, so that we won't finish the work that God has entrusted for us to finish. You see, the enemy is desperate. It's the last two minutes of the game. The enemy knows his time will soon be up because Jesus is coming again. So he is doing everything he can at this point to try to stop us from completing the Great Commission. That's why all the more we should not allow ourselves to be deceived. Let us get back to the basics of following Jesus Christ and do whatever we can in these last remaining days so that the mission can be accomplished in our lifetime. So where do we start? How do we begin? We have to understand that discipleship is simply a journey. It is a journey to help move people from where they are to where God wants them to be. So if you are discipling someone, you are simply helping them move from their present level of spirituality to the next level. Two things you need to know here. First, 
where are they in their spiritual journey? What level or what stage are they in right now? Second, what are some concrete things you can do to help move them to the next level? To assess where you are or where your disciple is in their spiritual journey, there are a lot of tools that are available for us. One such tool is the Engel Scale. Developed by James Engel, it provides a model showing the typical stages of our Christian journey. From no idea or no knowledge of God to surrendering one's life to Christ and on through to spiritual maturity as a believer. The model shows the various decision-making steps that a person goes through in becoming a disciple. So for example, at this part where a person has not yet made the decision to follow Christ, we must evangelize. And the model we can use is Jesus' stories on planting and sowing. You first cultivate friendship, you till the soil of the heart, then when they are ready, you start sowing the seeds of the gospel, after which you nurture them, you help them understand until they are ready for harvest. One such example of this is Philip and the Ethiopian official in the book of Acts. How Philip would journey with him, explaining to him about God's word until he understood and was ready to be baptized. Remember, no two journeys are the same. The process may differ from person to person. It may take longer for some. You may have to help them overcome some obstacles along the way. But your role as a disciple maker is simply to go alongside them in their journey. Sometimes it may just be a part of the journey or at other times you may have to walk the whole journey with them. Remember, Paul said how he planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Different people may be called by God to help a person grow at different stages in their spiritual journey. But ultimately, it is God who, made that, who will make that person grow. Notice also that discipleship does not end with evangelism. Leading a person to Christ is not enough. Our mission is not only initial evangelism, but also ongoing discipleship. You or someone else should help that person grow and continue on in their discipleship journey. And this is not simply transferring my Bible knowledge to them. For instance, when I teach you how to play the guitar, it is not enough that I will teach you about chords and keys. I should show you how to do it. Then I should let you do it by yourself. Then we should practice together until you can do it alone. This is discipleship and that is the discipleship journey. After you lead someone to Christ, you should show the person how to grow, how to do the spiritual disciplines, how to study the Bible, how to pray, how to share the gospel. Then you let them do it while going alongside them until such time that they can already replicate what you are doing by themselves. Another helpful model in disciple making 
is a famous four chairs. There are a lot of variations to four chair discipleship, and this is not my original creation. Bruce Wilkerson has his own variation as well as Josh McDowell, but I will be using Dan Spader's version from Sun Life, and I will try to adapt this to make it relevant to our Filipino Chinese church situation. These four chairs can help explain how Jesus developed his disciples into disciple makers. What strategy did Jesus use to take ordinary people, fishermen, tax collector, and turn them into not only followers, but disciple makers themselves? Chair number one represents Jesus' invitation to come and see. Just come and check it out. This was first given by Jesus to his earliest disciples, Andrew and John, who were spiritual seekers at that time and were involved in the ministry of John the Baptist. So chair number one represents the seekers, and there are so many of them inside the church. They are open to the gospel, but they have not made the decision yet to follow Christ, to commit their life to Christ. The simple challenge to come and see was built upon the promise that the Father, through the Holy Spirit, is drawing people to Himself. And our job is simply to discern who these people are and just to be friends with them. So the key to move people from chair number one is friendship. It is not a difficult first step. It simply requires us to be willing to be used by God to give the gift of our time and to show the love of Christ to those who are seeking God. It also includes drawing near to them in order to help meet their needs, to be friends with them until such time that they are ready to receive the gospel. Do you know someone who is in this chair? As an application, I want you to think of one person who you know is a seeker. Try to be friends with him or with her this week. Reach out to them. Give them a call. Send some food over to them. Help them with some house repairs. Do something practical to cultivate friendship. There is no right way to do this. There is no limit as to what you can do to help people in chair number one. Chair number two represents Jesus' invitation to come follow me. After come and see, Jesus now challenged Philip to the next level to follow him to Galilee. This involves moving the seeker in chair number one to the status of a believer and it challenges a person to make a personal decision and commitment to be a Christ follower. It is a call to a deeper level in the discipling journey than just come and see. It assumes a desire to want to learn and to grow, and it demands a learning process of walking in the steps of the Master to become like the one you are following as you learn to submit to Him 
and to allow him to lead you. It demands that we walk as Jesus walked, to love as Jesus loved, to do what Jesus did. It is a challenge to be a learner, and which is what the word disciple literally means. Chair number three represents Jesus' invitation to come and I will make you fishers of men. This is an invitation to be equipped, to be trained. From this point forward, Jesus is going to make an even greater investment of time in the lives of these men who will later become his ministry team, a team of faithful followers that, is, that he is going to take deeper. This challenge is clearly intentional. Jesus had a clear plan for how to develop his disciples into reproducing disciple makers. Immediately after challenging his disciples to become fishers of men, Jesus would lead them on six fishing trips in order to show them how to fish for men, in order to show them how to share their faith, in order to give them the confidence on how to do this. He was training them to reproduce their lives in others. That's the reason why Jesus would take his disciples everywhere he went to see and to show them how he's doing it so that they may learn how to do it by themselves as well. All throughout the New Testament, we see this pattern in Titus Older women are called to train younger women. In Ephesians, fathers are called to train their children. In 2 Timothy, Paul trained Timothy to train others to train others. Every Christian should be trained to disciple others as they are also getting discipled. Chair number four represents Jesus' command to go and make disciples, to go and multiply. Now that the disciples are ready, it is time to push them to go, to go out and to meet, do ministry by themselves. Jesus now moves his disciples to a whole new level of relationship with him. Jesus knew he will be going away very soon. And as the Father has sent him, he is sending them out also. The challenge here is actually the Great Commission. They are to go and do what he did. They are to repeat this process in the lives of others. I've shown you. Now, go and do likewise. Go, make disciples of all nations doing what I've done with you. This challenge is not easy, but it is actually simple. Reverend Anthony talked about this that fruit-bearing only requires one thing, that we abide in the vine, Jesus Christ, and allow the vine, allow Jesus, to produce the fruit through us, to make disciples through us. Our task is only to abide. His task is to bear fruit, is to make disciples. We will bear fruit, we will multiply and make more disciples to the degree that we abide by him and walk as he walked. So to summarize everything, Jesus started by inviting them to come and see, 
challenging them to come and follow, investing time to train them to become fishers of men, then empowering them to go out and do the same by themselves. That in a nutshell is discipleship. It's as simple as that. Disciple making then is a process of moving people through the four chairs from someone seeking to know more about Christ all the way to someone who makes disciples themselves. This four chair model shows us that Jesus Christ recognized that people were at different stages in the disciple making journey. He started where people were and intentionally moved them to a deeper level of growth and maturity. His desired end product was always multiplication or replication. And from the 12, we have seen how the disciple-making movement has multiplied to billions of disciples worldwide all throughout history. Jesus wants to do the same in our lives today. And He wants us to repeat the process in the lives of others. You know, as a pastor, this is one of my greatest concerns. We have all these church gatherings week after week, all the small group meetings, all the Bible studies, serving in various capacities in the church. But then when we ask the most important question, did we lead anyone to Christ? Did we disciple anyone? If the answer is no, then what's the point of everything that we are doing? Yes, the gospel can be preached and prayed and sung, but if we are not fulfilling the Great Commission, then why do we preach and sing and pray? If we think that Christianity is only what we are doing when we come to a church building on Sunday, then we are missing the point. The Great Commission is definitely not a call for Christians to come be baptized and sit on our pews every week, and that's it. If we are all simply serving and growing in Christ, yes, that's good for us, but how about the people around us? We don't want to just have a bunch of programs and Bible studies and activities for us to grow in Christ. If we stop there, we miss the whole point. And we actually disobey Jesus Christ. We may think we are growing, but if we are not multiplying, then we are actually not growing. We are just convincing ourselves that we are with more Bible knowledge while we disobey the one thing Jesus told us to do that He entrusted to us before He ascended to heaven. It is a command for Christians to go wherever you are, leading people to Christ, baptizing them, and helping them move on in their spiritual journey to be closer to God. Jesus is calling every follower to make disciples where we live, where we work, where we study, wherever we go. So the goal is to multiply. We at New Millennium Evangelical Church, we together are going to work hard at biblical disciple making the coming years. We want to empower you to be disciple makers, to be the church wherever you are. Because we are a family and we don't want anyone to be left behind in the faith. 
keep that faith during this difficult time is not easy. That's why all the more we need to help each other to grow together, to come alongside and disciple others that we may all finish well. A few years ago, there's a story of a special Olympics event where there were eight competitors in the 100-meter dash. All eight of the participants have disabilities, either physical or mental. As a starting gun was fired, they all moved forward awkwardly, trying to run and trying to win the race. Then halfway through the race, one little boy stumbled onto the ground, tumbled over a couple of times, and he began to cry. When the other seven heard the boy crying, they slowed down and looked back. Then they all turned around and went back, every one of them. One girl with Down syndrome bent down and kissed him and said, this will make you feel better. Then all eight of them linked arms. They joined arms and walked together towards the finish line. That's our disciple-making journey. We are there to encourage one another, to spur one another, that we may learn and grow and finish well together. As the response song is being played, I want us to ponder on these action points. Which chair are you at right now? Where are you in your relationship with God? What concrete steps must you do this week to move to the next chair? Next, identify some key people in your life right now. Maybe in your network of friends. Who do I know that is still an unbeliever? How can I best share the gospel with them? With my network of relationships, how can I intentionally foster friendships with these people? What are some practical steps to help this person move to the next chair? The answer may be different for each one of us. It's going to look different, but the key is to start doing something and to start doing something today.
Let us pray. Father, forgive us for far too long have we talked about discipleship but have not done much about it. Far too long have we emphasized on getting people saved that we forget that we need to continue to disciple them as they follow you. Far too long have we spent so much time showing people how to share their faith that we have not taught them how to share their life. For discipleship is simply sharing our spiritual walk with others. Far too long have we studied your word. Far too long have we known the Great Commission in our head, but few of us are actually doing it. It is time for us to do something. It is time to get back to what you want for New Millennium Evangelical Church. Help us to move from believing to growing to multiplying disciples. Help us to become a disciple-making church. As our church go back to the disciple-making roots of the early church, help us to learn from your example, to go and invite others to experience you, to help them come to a decision to follow you, and then to help them become disciple-makers themselves. Lead us in this journey of disciple-making wherever we are, wherever you lead us. We need you to do this in us. We cannot do this alone. Help Holy Spirit guide this church towards your path of discipleship. Father, please help us to trust in the authority of your Son, for all authority belongs to Him, and to submit to that authority, to depend on your power and your presence in us. To carry this out. May the defining motivation of disciple making be all about loving you. So help us to love you more that we may reach out to love others with your love as well. By faith, help us to achieve your goal to disciple the nations, to finish your great commission. We pray this according to your word in Jesus' name. And all of God's people say, Amen. Let us now partake of the communion. The communion is not only a commemoration of what Christ has done on the cross, but it is also a celebration of the present fellowship among believers as we remember together the Lord's death and encourage each other to endure, to persevere, to keep the faith until the day that He will come for us again. It is declaring that we will be there for each other as one body, the strong helping the weak, that we may all grow and be able to finish well. As the communion is to be taken in a worthy manner, let us therefore come in the proper spirit. Let us examine our hearts and our relationships confessing our sins before coming unto His presence. If there is any sin that hinders you or that hinders that relationship, get right with God first. If there is any anger, bitterness, hatred in your heart towards another person in the body of Christ, now is the time to make those relationships right. Ask God to search your heart and to heal those relationships. The communion is a reminder of how gracious God has been to us to forgive all our sins. Why then can we not be gracious towards others?
The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given up for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Sian ken kalan kong ya so shiu gui zi mi yi te yi pia lai zhu xia zhu bei kui gong. Zi ge si wai xin te wei nin bang sha. Ni jiu an yi jia, wei jiu shi ji liam gua, dan jiong jiang sha gap lai nia shiu ji liam zu. Then he took the cup, saying, "This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me." Ya so teki poi lai kong, zhi poi si yang guai kui so di pe xin yok. Lin mui zai di me si di an yi jia, wei jiu shi ji liang gua, dan jiong jiang sha gap lai nia xiu ji liang zu. Let us conclude with the Lord's Prayer. You can pray in English or Chinese according to your preference. Kuntitinlepe,wan 因为各管用工拢是你的，得交代代，心情所完。And now for some announcements. First, I just want to thank every one of you who generously supported the Lord's Kingdom work to our church. As of the end of March, we have already exceeded our goal for this year's New Year Thanksgiving offering. Your generosity allows us to continue to carry out the mission of NMEC even in these challenging times. Next Sunday, May 9, is Mother's Day. Join us as we worship God and celebrate our mothers together. We will have a Facebook premiere at 9 a.m. If you are, you are not able to join the uh, Facebook premiere, then you can still watch on YouTube starting at 10 a.m. Our Bongun Seniors Ministry has gone online. They have their Bible study every Wednesday from 9.30 to 10.30 a.m. This will be in Hokkien. Please get in touch with Pastor Phoebe should you desire to join. If you have family members, relatives, and friends, who are in need of counseling, please get in touch with Pastor Jin Chan to schedule a counseling session. You can visit our Facebook page and make Joyful Hope for more details. If you have kids from 4 to 12 years old, they are welcome to join our Sunday School Kids Worship Online that is being held via Zoom every Sunday starting at 10 a.m. For first-time attendees, kindly register at our Facebook page. Our Engaged Youth Fellowship meets every Saturday at 3 p.m. via Zoom. This is open to those who are 13 to 25 years of age. Kindly contact Pastors Danny and Jaya for more details. If you are interested to be part of a discipleship group or a small group, 
Contact any of the pastoral team members and we will help you connect with the group. If you have friends or relatives who prefer to listen to God's word in Mandarin, we have our Mandarin worship service every Sunday at 10 a.m. via Zoom. They also have Bible studies and prayer meetings during weekdays. Please continue to pray for the best time for us to safely resume our on-site church service. We'll keep you posted concerning this in the coming weeks. Lastly, if you wish to know more about New Millennium Evangelical Church, we encourage you to follow our Facebook page, share our post, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thank you for worshiping with us. Let's receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May His face continue to shine upon you, and may He be gracious to you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the encouragement and comfort of the Holy Spirit be upon us all. I love you. I thank God for you, and I am praying for you. Remember, the best is yet to come.